Merry Christmas, Bridge. How are we doing today, guys? Can we get up for the kids one more time? Come on. Way to go, guys. I don't know about you, but if the Lord tarries his coming, I think the next generation of the bridge is in good hands. You think so? That young man that read scripture, I think uh, I, I hear a pastor's voice in there somewhere. Somebody came to me uh, right after I came to Christ and said, you have the voice of a pastor. And I said, uh, well, I don't want it. You want it? <laughs> but obviously God had plans in mind, so we can't wait to see how God's plans for all of these children unfold. And thank you for all that you do to invest in their lives, both as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and bridge kids workers and teachers and so much energy that goes into our kids, and it is well spent every minute of it. Can I get an amen in the house? We're finishing our continuing series that we kicked off last week. We're calling the best Christmas gifts. We're talking about those gifts that God gave us at that first Christmas and continue to give year by year by year. Last week, we talked about what I call the indescribable gift, and I took a brave shot at trying to describe the indescribable. We're talking about Jesus Christ himself. If you missed that, then by all means, go online and get that message. I hope that you will and lean into it. Uh, today, we're talking about what I call the mysterious gift, and thank you so much for braving the cold and the misery and the snow and the driving rain and all the things to be here. And thank you for who you that are watching online that couldn't make it. We got a lot of Facebooks and, and text messages and emails from folks between services saying we, we're watching the service online either at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock. So we welcome our online audience today as well. For those of you that don't know, we average about 350 online every week in every part of the world and we're excited that we can provide that ministry uh, to the world. Even if we do. Can we celebrate that and welcome our online audience today? Amen. So let's get into it. The mysterious gift is found in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Let's read it together out loud. One, two, three, go. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Obviously, we're talking about the gift of peace, and I call it the mysterious gift because can we be real honest? Can, can we be honest in church? 2,000 years later, there's not a whole lot of peace on earth. Do your heads like this. I mean, we're living in a day when the war on terrorism is going on all over the world, including our own shores. 
We've got shootings in schools and, and churches. I mean, I never dreamed when I started this 40 none of your business years ago that I'd have security following me around on Sunday morning. What a weird idea to have that, but that is the reality of the world that we live in. And when you think about it, there wasn't a whole lot of peace on earth that like the angels came and said, peace on earth, goodwill to men on whom his favor rests. I mean, Rome ruled Palestine at that point, and there were all kinds of tensions and political intrigue between Rome, the Caesar in Rome, and, and the puppet kings that they put in place in Palestine, and the Jewish religious leaders of the day. There were all kinds of tensions and intrigue going on all the time. I mean, you talk about peace on earth, I don't know. So, what, what does that mean? Were the angels lying? Obviously not. But there's got to be a solution to this, and there is. Jesus clears up the mystery, mystery for us just before he departs to go and prepare heaven for us. In John chapter 14, verse 27, here's what he said to his disciples and to us. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you. What does it say? As the world gives... Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Mystery solved. Let me lean into it. The world offers a kind of peace that says when all of your circumstances are going the way you want them to, you'll finally be at peace. How many of you figured out that's a pipe dream? It doesn't work that way, does it? And so, and so what happens then when you're leaning into and trying to tap into the world's approach to peace, the kind of peace that the world gives, you wind up living in denial or you wind up self-medicating with some drug or substance or you wind up abandoning one relationship after the other, believing that you'll finally get into a relationship that brings you peace, knowing that all you did was abandon the previous ones to embrace new ones, and you go, what? The, the angels must have been lying. There's no peace. Then Jesus comes along and says, I offer you a different kind of peace. I offer you a peace based on the reality that this is earth, not heaven. We ain't there yet. We're still in this sin-cursed world, and Satan is still the prince of the power of the air. And so I offer you a kind of peace that comes in spite of the conflict that's going on in you and around you. I bring you the kind of peace that I call is tranquility in a sea of turmoil. I bring you the kind of peace that you can have no matter what's raging around you or even stirring up within you. And that's why the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, here we go, let's read it together, don't worry about anything. How many said easier said than done? Yeah, but let's look at the rest of the formula. Instead, pray about Everything. In other words, take the same amount of time that you used to spend worrying and turn it into prayers. Okay? Take it to God. And here's what you do. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. That's your prayer. Lord, here's what I need and thank you for the fact that you're, at God, that you're on the throne and that you're at work and here's some things that you've done. Remind yourself of the good things that God has done in your life. Now, here's what I want you to see. Okay, how many of you are familiar with if-then equations? You know what I'm talking about in math or computer sciences? If, that is, if, if this is true, then that will be true. You got that? So there's an if-then in here. The New Testament's filled with these if-thens. Here's one. He says, if you do this, what is this? Hello, did you think I was doing all the talking? If you do this, this is pray instead of worry. And your prayer includes take your needs to him and thank him for what he's already doing. Then... 
you will, let's read it, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If you will do this, then I will do that. God always keeps his part of the equation. You just have to keep yours. And not only will you get this peace that goes beyond anything you can wrap your brain around, but also that peace will put a guard on your heart so that when Satan comes and tries to stir fear or stir anxiety, it will remind you, I can be at peace as I live my life in Christ Jesus. Men can't comprehend it. The world doesn't think it's possible, but Jesus Christ offers a peace that is available to you and even baffles we who receive it. Doesn't make sense, but it is very, very real, and it's one of the best Christmas gifts I believe that God gave to us all that I suspect we need this time of year and, quite frankly, all year round. So, in the time that I've got with you this morning, I want us to, to kind of lean into that. I, I, we got the if-then statement. The if is, if you'll pray instead of worry, take your needs and give thanks, then God will bring this peace that, that transcends your current set of circumstances. I, I, those of you that know me know I hate to, for a preacher to tell me what I, can, uh, what I should do and not tell me how to do it or what I can have but not tell me how to get it. So, I want to spend our time this morning in real practical application of this. I want to talk about some of the circumstances that we often find ourselves in, some of the the, the, the typical scenarios that will steal our peace if we're not careful. And I want to remind you that there is peace available. I want to remind you that the angels come. And here's what I want you to do. While we're talking about this, if you find yourself relating, I've, I've picked five. There could be plenty of them. But I've picked five scenarios that are pretty common. As you find yourself relating to one or more of these scenarios, I want you to listen for the angels of the Lord to whisper in your ear, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. I want you to hear their voice today. Whether you hear anything else I say or not, I want you to hear their voice. I want you to go into your Christmas and all year for that matter, knowing that peace is available even in the turmoil that's a part of life. Let's get into it. The first scenario that comes to mind that I think is common to all of us is that we can have peace even in spite of strained relationships. How many of you agree with me that it's hard to be at peace when there's conflict in a major relationship in your life? God bless that hand. I see that hand. It's true. We all have to deal with that. We're kind of like the guy who, who rode a commuter train uh, to work every day, and one day he got on the train. It was really full. The only seat available was between two ladies who were bickering back and forth about whether to open or close the window. And so for the first half of his ride, he's enduring this bickering back and forth. Finally, the ticket taker comes by, and, and the ladies say, Sir, you're going to have to settle this for us. One of them said, if this window uh, isn't closed, I'm going to freeze to death. And the other one said, well, if this window isn't opened, I'm going to die of heat stroke. You have to decide which one we're going to do. Ticket taker said, I ain't touching it. And he moved on to the next set of passengers. At that point, they looked at the guy that's sitting between them and said, well, sir, you're going to have to settle it. Then he said, oh, this is an easy one. We'll leave the window open until you freeze to death. We'll leave it closed until you die of heat stroke. And then I'll finally have some peace. No doubt your situation is different than that. But let's be honest, guys. Relational conflict can bring all kinds of stress and steal our peace. Am I right? And it's not uncommon. 
at Christmas time, the holiday season, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, when families get together for family tensions to rise to the surface again. We can kind of compartmentalize them when we're going through our year, but this time of year it tends to stir back up. It may well be that some of you have come to this service this morning or you're watching online and you know right now that you're at odds with a member of your family. You don't speak to them and they're glad you don't. But in your heart, you wish you could reconcile. In your heart, you wish somehow that you could work through this. Maybe your family gatherings are superficial and that's the best you can muster right now, but they're far from peaceful. What I want you to know is that Jesus came to bring peace to alienated relationships. I know that because he did it from the very first Christmas. Joseph was devastated when he learned that Mary was pregnant. He was blown away. He, he knew they weren't married. He knew that he'd never been with her in that way. And so he made the decision, I'm out of here. Girl, you're on your own. I'm breaking off this engagement until the angel of the Lord came to him. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Joseph was reconciled to Mary. In other words, the birth of Jesus Christ served to solidify their relationship and the birth of Jesus Christ can serve to solidify yours. Now, it may mean swallowing your pride and apologizing. It may be humbling yourself and forgiving even when you're not going to get paid back for whatever it is that they did. It may mean that. It may mean a difficult conversation, an honest conversation. It may even mean making restitution, but Jesus will help you to do that. And in fact, it is Jesus that challenges us to do that. Look at Matthew 5, Jesus said in verse 23 and 4, So when you offer your gift to God at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar, go and make peace with that person, and then come and offer your gift. You see what it says? It says it's more important to be reconciled to your brother or sister than it is to come to church on Sunday morning. The only time you can have that reconciliation conversation is on a Sunday morning. You have my blessing to skip church that day. Now, it does say bring your tithes and offerings and leave them here before you go, but that's just a little side trip there. Pastor Jim Gilligan asked me to tell you that. <laughs> Can I tell you, because uh, I don't have time to spend a lot of time on any one of these scenarios, but this is so critical. Can I tell you that I've preached on this subject many times over the years, and I love it when people come back to me later and say, Pastor Jim, I took your advice. I forgave. I apologized. I, I had that hard conversation. And God is working in our life. He's working in our marriage. He's working in my brother and my sister's life. One guy told me that I forgave my ex-wife for the first time after 15 years, and I felt like somebody poured Clorox over me. I am tingly. I feel so clean. One guy said, I took your advice over Christmas, and I went to my brother, and I buried the hatchet. Not in him. That's what I wanted to do. But we buried the hatchet, and we got a lot of work to do but we've reconciled as brothers, and I feel at peace about where we're going to end up. Now, I know that reconciliation can be a long process. I understand that resolving all of the issues can be a long process, so let me just give you a quick teaching and we'll move on. You've got to understand when you find yourself in conflict with somebody that reconciliation always comes before uh, uh, resolution. 
Reconciliation always comes before resolution. In fact, resolution never comes unless reconciliation comes first. What does that mean? It means that you have to look at each other and say, I'm committed to this relationship. We got stuff to work on, but I'm committed to working on it. I care that much about you. And when you reconcile first and you come to agreement first that I want this relationship, then that empowers you in the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to resolve the issues. But if you insist that the issues be resolved before you are reconciled, it will never happen. Jesus came to bring reconciliation. He came to bring peace. So listen to the angel's voice when they say glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. His favor rests on those who commit to reconciliation. The second scenario that I find very common for all of us is that we can have peace in spite of stressful circumstances. I mean, it's so easy when you get into stressful circumstances to, to get into that worldly mentality that says, you know, once my circumstances get all lined up, when everything works out the way I want it to, when everything gets exactly where I want it, when everything fits the way it's supposed to fit, then life will be good for me and I'll finally be at peace and the world will convince you that's true. But I'm here to tell you that's just not the way it works. Kim and I... Um, had a struggle in the early days of our marriage every year. Some of you perhaps will relate to this. Um, her folks lived, of course, here in Wayne County. My folks lived uh, in Bladenboro and in Sampson County. And so every year we had this kind of uh, discussion about who are we going to go see at Thanksgiving, who are we going to go see at Christmas. And one year we'd do Thanksgiving with this family and next year and then Christmas with the other, and then we'd flip it the next year. And then one year we got the bright idea that we would do both, that we're just going to, you know, do eat two Thanksgiving meals that year. And, man, I was stuffed, but it was good. And, and then Christmas time we went to her grandparents' house out in Belfast, and, and all the family was there. We're having a grand time, and I'm staring at my watch, and Kim's having a great time catching up with her, her cousins and, and aunts and uncles and everybody, and, and I'm thinking, we got to get to Mama's house, we got to get to Mama's house. And, and so finally I start gathering up our stuff, the gifts that we had gotten from family, and I, I'm saying, Kim, I'm going to, to, to the car. Uh, I'll be blowing the horn while I'm waiting for you. And so I went out to the car. She's in there saying her goodbyes to her family, and I'm trying to get everything in the car, and it won't fit, and I'm stressed to hear, and I'm ready to go, and the stuff won't fit, and I'm trying to close the trunk of the car, and it won't close. And Kim finally walks out of the house, and she says, what's the matter? You can't get it all in? Yes, it's fine. I'm just fanning myself in this cold weather. It's just... Well, needless to say, that was not exactly a pleasant ride to my mother's house or a pleasant ride the rest of the evening. Anybody relating to this at all? Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Just the reality, guys. But, but hear me, guys, something happens when you begin to try to get God's perspective on the circumstances of your life. When you try to understand that he has an eternal view of things, you can begin to get peace in spite of those circumstances, but it only comes when you get his perspective and embrace his plan. Joseph's life was in constant turmoil during that season. I mean, a strained relationship with Mary led to notification of, of raised taxes, 
the, the need to travel all the way to Bethlehem uh, with a nine-month pregnant wife on a donkey, no hotel rooms when they got there. Soon after the baby was born, another angel came and said, you better run to a foreign country because there's a contract hit out on your son. All the boys under two are going to be killed. I mean, you talk about stressful circumstances. You talk about things not working out the way you hope they would work. Joseph is the poster child for that. I love Max Lucado's imagined prayer of Joseph in that event because I relate to it so much. It goes like this. This isn't the way I planned it, God, not at all. My child being born in a stable, this isn't what I thought it would be. A cave with sheep and donkeys and hay and straw, this isn't at all what I imagined. I imagined grandmothers and grandfathers and neighbors and friends standing by side, cheering at the sound of the first cry of an infant when he was born, slaps on the back, loud jubilation. That's how I imagined it, Lord. This wasn't it at all. What kind of husband am I? I provided no midwife to help my wife, no bed to rest her back, a blanket off my donkey for her. My house for her is a shed with hay and straw. The smell is bad. The animals are loud. Did I miss something, God? This is not the way I wanted it to be. This is not what I wanted my son. Oh, I did it again. I did it again, didn't I, Father? I, I, I didn't mean to do that. It's just that I keep forgetting. He's not my son. He's yours. The child is yours. The plan is yours. The idea is yours. Forgive me for asking, but is this how God enters the world? You know what the honest truth is? I'd love to have those tense days back when we couldn't figure out which parent to go to and how long to stay because my grandparents and parents are both gone. Kim's mom's the only one left in her generation, and this may well be her last Christmas. I'd love to have those tensions back. I'd love to go back to those days and maybe get God's perspective on how precious those moments were and cherish them rather than attacking each other over the circumstance. Is this making sense? Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, from my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen to the angels sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. His favor rests on those who seek God's perspective in whatever circumstance they find themselves in. The third scenario that I thought worthy of exploring together would be that we can have peace in spite of an unsure future. Peace in spite of an unsure unsure future. Eight days after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph, as the custom was, took the baby Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. God had promised the the prophet Simeon uh, that he would see the Messiah while he was still alive. And Simeon was quite old, way past the average lifespan of that day. But he believed God's promise that one day he would see the Messiah. And the minute they walked in, he knew God had kept his promise. And here's what he prayed in Luke 2, 29 and 31. Lord, now I can die in peace. 
As you promised me, I have seen the Savior you have given to all people. After a lifetime of helping Israel navigate the tension of, 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 of dealing with Rome and, and all the tensions of Rome, he knew he could die in peace because God's promises were true. Not because he knew what the future held for Israel, but because God's promises were true. He made a promise and he kept his promise. Then, before he handed the baby back to Mary, he says in verse 34, Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, This child will be rejected by many in Israel, and it will be their undoing, but he will be the greatest joy to many others. Can you imagine how Mary as a mama must have felt to have the prophet of God bless her child and then hand the child back and say, Oh, by the way, I need to tell you, there's a lot of people that aren't going to like your child. I mean, if we did a dedication service for your baby. If Pastor Andy is up here holding your baby and saying nice things, and then as he hands your baby back to you, says, Mama, that your baby's going to be bullied. Be hard, wouldn't it? Be hard to be at peace. It'd be difficult to be at peace when you understand that, but that's exactly the scenario where Jesus came and said, My peace I give you. Fear of the future can rob uh, joy and peace from any of us. Which is, again, why Paul wrote in Philippians 4, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Give, tell God what you need and give him thanks for what he has done. As hard as that can be, those are the realities. So we need to be honest, guys. This is a peace that comes in spite of difficulties. Parents, as we mentioned, you... You look forward for your child's future and you wonder, is my child going to be liked? Is my child going to be smart? Is my child going to be healthy and whole? What if my child gets picked on by other kids' workers? What if my company downsizes? What if I get laid off? The military, what's my next duty station going to be? And I'm, Am I going to be deployed to a hot spot on the planet? How's my family going to deal with the next move yet? Again, married couples, what if... Uh, our marriage gets in crisis. What if my spouse cheats? What if uh, he or she leaves me? As we age, we all have to deal with the realities of, of health. Will my health fail? Will it hold? What's going on as it relates to my health? Anxiousness about tomorrow is part of the human condition, which is why billions of dollars are spent with psychics and fortune tellers and all kinds of people, people wanting very much to have somebody tell them what the future holds so they won't be so nervous about it. I've always found it interesting that the Psychic Friends Network, which was the largest of those groups a few years ago, ultimately filed bankruptcy and closed. I remember reading that headline and thinking, did they not see that coming? Did they not know that that was, was about to happen? Well, of course they did in Ecclesiastes 8, 7. Since no man knows the future, who can tell him what's to come? Hear me, what I'm trying to say to you is that Jesus brings peace in spite of an uncertain future. Psalm 23, 4, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff comfort me glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests his favor rests on those who let their unsure future rest in his trustworthy hands here's one I'd rather not bring up but it's huge at Christmas God brings peace 
through Jesus Christ in spite of severe grief. Let's be honest, guys. Losing somebody that we love can be devastating to our peace at any time of the year, but then we get into Christmas and there's a reminder and that hurt stirs up all over again. It's too painful for us to spend much time on this one, but, but I felt the need to address it for your sake and for my own. We think of Christmas as being a time of joy and, and for many, that first Christmas was. I mean, for the shepherds, when they heard the angels sing and they went and found the baby and worshipped him for Mary and Joseph that's having their first child, knowing that they've been selected by God himself to bring this blessing to the entire world. For the wise men that eventually came and brought gifts to worship him, it was a time of joy for all of those players and so many others. But the reality is that first Christmas and shortly thereafter was a time of grief for many others. King Herod, who was so worried about the idea that there was a new king in town that might take his throne, he put out an edict that all the boys under two would be killed, would be murdered. And so there were families weeping across the region. He wreaked havoc on so many lives. And grief was such a real part of it. Maybe, maybe you're grieving this Christmas. Maybe there's a missing chair in your house. I'm here to tell you that there is no peace without Jesus in that. But we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Kim and I bought a tree, which is our custom. We put it up on her birthday, December 7th, and we decorated it as we have done for many, many years. We had a couple of our granddaughters to come and help decorate. But it's the smallest tree we've ever had, and it probably has the fewest ornaments on it it's ever had, but we felt like this is Christmas. We need to remind ourselves of that first Christmas, even though maybe not at the level we have in times past. It's critical for us to remind ourselves that in the midst of grief, there is a peace that comes because we're going to be together forever. We don't grieve as those who have no hope, and so maybe you're struggling right now. Maybe you're wondering if there's any peace in the midst of grief, and I'm here to tell you there is. It doesn't make sense. But denial's not the answer. Burying your grief's not the answer. Embracing your grief is. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. His favor rests according to the words of Jesus himself, on those who mourn. Matthew 5, 4, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The world says, fake it till you make it. Jesus said, I'll give you peace in, this, in the midst of it. And I pray that you can find that. The fifth scenario that so often is accompanying Christmas uh, is this idea of of a reminder that Jesus came. I said it last week, the cradle and the cross are, are eternally linked, and he came for the express purpose of paying for our sin, of, of taking the death that we earned on himself. When you realize that fact, and when that fact touches your heart, you find yourself uh, racked with guilt quite often. I mean, the guilt can really do a job on your peace. Hello? Is that true? Sit real still so nobody knows it's you, but all of us have been there. 
King David, after he committed adultery with Bathsheba, prayed this way in Psalm 51, O loving and kind God, have mercy, have pity on me, and take away that awful stain of my transgressions. Wash me, cleanse me from this guilt. Let me be pure again, for I admit my shameful deed. It haunts me day and night. Let's be honest, guys. We've all been in that place where we learned how to wash our face and hide it, People around us think we've gotten past it, but in fact, our sin is always before us until it's dealt with. There's a fear that it will come to light or a fear that we will stand before God with it unresolved. Regret. No doubt there are people sitting right here in this room or watching online right now, and you've got this internal monologue that's going on in your mind. Man, I wish I could have that one summer back. Man, I wish I could have done that one night differently. I wish I could undo that one thing, that one choice that I made that had a domino effect across my life. Hear me, guys, you can't undo the past, but Jesus can give you peace by washing away the guilt of all of that. He can cast it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again, and every time you bring it up to him, he'll say, what's in? I don't know what you're talking about. I dealt with that when it's gone. You can get there and you can have peace in spite of your failures in the past. I know it can be hard to believe, but it's true. I read a story just the other day of a pastor who was ministering to a lady in her final moments of life, and uh, nothing he said could give her peace. She was so troubled by her life and so, uh, so in pain about the choices that she'd made in life that no matter what he said to her, nothing helped her be at peace. She couldn't accept the idea of God's forgiveness. She couldn't fathom it. She said, you don't understand, Pastor. I have ruined my life. I've ruined every relationship in my life. I deserve hell, and that's where I'm going. Pastor, after a while of trying to convince her, looked around the room, and he saw a picture of a of, of a young lady on her dressed uh, chest of drawers. And, and he said, who, who is that? And the lady said, well, that, that's my daughter. It's the, she's the one beautiful thing in my life. She's wonderful, and I love her with all of my heart. And the pastor said, well, if she messed up, would you forgive her? She said, well, of course. Why would you ask me such a silly question? The pastor said, I just wanted you to know that God has a picture of you on his dresser. And all you have to do is accept his forgiveness because he wants to give it to you more than you're ready to receive it. You just have to be ready to receive it. So if you're struggling with guilt this Christmas, don't carry it into the season. Lay it down. Glory to God in the highest and peace to men on whom his favor rests. His favor rests not on those who've got their act together. Deeply spiritual term for that it rests on those who say, Lord, I'm sorry, I blew it again. Forgive me and give me a fresh start. I embrace what you did on me for me on Calvary. I got to close. I'm going to let you get about your day. But I want you to hear me say, there is a peace available to you this Christmas and all year long. It's a peace that passes understanding. It is a peace that you cannot wrap your brain around, but it's a peace that's available to you. No wonder they call him the Prince of Peace. It rests on those who seek his perspective on their strained relationships. 
who look to him to work through their stressful circumstances, who lean on him and trust him with their unsure futures, who come to him when they're grieving, knowing that he will give them help and hope. It comes to those who carry guilt, and it's eating them alive, and they find his forgiveness. The only real question is, will you let the baby Jesus give you peace? It's your call. It's available. It's your choice. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for sending your son that first Christmas. Thank you for all that Christmas and this Christmas can mean that we can look to you no matter what the circumstances of our lives, no matter what tensions we're facing in relationships or looking down the road to the future or pain or grief or regret or guilt, grief, that there is a peace that's available to us. There's actually a pretty simple formula to get it. Instead of worrying, pray. Pray in a way where you bring your needs before the Lord and thank him for what he's already done. And when you do, there will be this peace that settles, that will carry you through it. I pray that prayer for all of us today. I wonder if you'll join me in it. Keep your heads bowed for just a minute. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. The altars will be open in a minute. We'll give you a chance to come if you want. But at the very least, would you pray this simple prayer? Jesus, help me to pray more and worry less. And when worry rears its ugly head in my life, remind me of this formula, that I'm going to take those worries and turn them into prayers. I'm going to make sure in the midst of bringing you my needs, I'm going to remind myself of the things that you've done in my life and the blessings that I have in my life because of you. And then I'm going to trust that somehow in an indescribable, mysterious kind of way, you will give me the peace to go through whatever I'm facing. Thank you for being that kind of God. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, I really want to know, would you take your Connect card right now and check a box, write me a note, just, pray, just write, I prayed that prayer. Do something. Let me know that you prayed that prayer so that I can pray with you this morning. The ushers are coming. We're going to close our service in an act of worship as we give tithe and offerings unto him. So the ushers are coming. Would you stand with me as they do? We're going to pay attention to the screens because lots of stuff going on this Christmas we want you to take advantage of. So let's worship the Lord in tithe and offering as we check this stuff out. everyone, I'm Valerie. Thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. 
Here's a little bit about what's happening at the bridge this Christmas season. Christmas is just a couple of weeks away, and we're so looking forward to celebrating with you at our Christmas Eve candlelight service. It will be such a special time of honoring the birth of Jesus and singing familiar beloved carols. While our Christmas Eve services are intentionally created for the whole family, there will be a regular Bridge Kids program available for those preschool age and younger. We know you're planning to invite your unchurched friends, family, and more to join you on Christmas Eve. Last Sunday, we gave out this special invite kit to help you in that process. It's filled with Just Because cards to accompany your random acts of kindness, invite cards you can give as a save the date reminder, and a prayer card with space to write in the names of those you are inviting. If you missed out last week or need another, you can pick up a kit today at guest services. The Christmas season also brings the joy and excitement of things like parties, Christmas sweaters, and one of our favorites, Christmas lights. The Christmas light show is happening now and every evening from dusk to midnight at the Bridge Princeton. By tuning your car radio to a special station, the entire family can enjoy watching Christmas lights dance to music from the comfort of your car. For more details about all things Christmas at the Bridge, check out christmasatthebridge.com. That was just a quick look at what's going on around the Bridge. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at bridgechurch.cc, on social media, or through the Bridge NC app. Thanks for coming to church today. Thanks, Valerie. You guys want a praise report before we go out today? Got a cool one. I made you a promise second Sunday of every month I'd give you a report and update. We've been praying for people to come to know Jesus Christ this year. Through the month of November, 253 people have committed their lives to Christ through the ministries of the bridge this year alone. Praise God for what he's doing. I can't let you go without saying one thing. If you haven't made that commitment, please don't leave this room. If you haven't committed your life to Jesus Christ, please don't leave this place. There are people going to be in this altar who would love nothing more than to pray with you and let this be the best Christmas ever and the best Christmas gift to Jesus you could possibly give. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege of knowing you, of doing life with you in partnership of you being our Lord and Savior. I pray blessing over each of us as we go from this place. Keep us safe and use us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next Sunday as we continue the series.